get in a, a complete study on angelology or, the, you know, looking at all the celestial beings, but there are some things you ought to know, all right? And uh, so before we do that, let's pray and ask God to bless this. Uh, who here had an interesting morning on the way to church? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Car, any, any car trouble? Raise your hand. Car trouble? Okay. All right. Uh, Mary, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, all right. Let's, not, let's, go, let's pray right now, okay? Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get into this book. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us in all truth. Lord, thank you for the singing, Lord, that we just got to uh, participate in and worship you. And Lord, just standing there and hearing the voices unite and blend together and uh, go up before you, Lord, that was a blessing. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would not just lead and guide us in all truth, but Lord, that you would take your Holy Spirit, God, and just put your finger on our hearts and, and show us exactly, Lord, not just how to accumulate and assimilate all this knowledge, but Lord, to do something with it. Show us what to do. And uh, Lord, we'll praise you for that. We'll thank you for that. And Lord, I do pray if there anyone, uh, anyone comes today that isn't saved, Lord, they get saved. And if there's any believer here that, Lord, their heart is unsettled, Lord, maybe they're just not right with you for whatever reason. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them today, Lord, that you would move in their life and in their heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, let me say this. The word angel shows up 283 times in your Bible. Uh, the word angels, plural, shows up 92 times, all right? Uh, and uh, oftentimes people talk about guardian angels. Look at Matthew 18 real quick with me. Matthew chapter number 18, Matthew 18, and uh, there's a, uh, an idea out there that kids have guardian angels. Um, I know they got demons sometimes, that's for sure. <laughs> they need them exercised every day, amen? Uh, but uh, that said, uh, I, I think where it comes from is Matthew 18. Let me show it to you real quick. Uh, and let's try to make sense of it uh, from the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter number 18, and look, if you would, at verse number, uh, the, let's see, go to verse 9. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, that, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Now, uh, let, let me just say this. I don't want to get into a doctrinal dissertation on Matthew 18, um, but what this has to do with is when the Lord comes back, He's going to, when he comes back to establish his kingdom at the Battle of Armageddon, he's going to cast out, as the Bible says, all those things that do offend. In other words, uh, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, and the goats, uh, that's going to be the nations that didn't take, the people that didn't treat Israel right during the Great Tribulation. I know for some of you, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. That's fine. For some of you, this is a review. Take notes in, in Bible study, because you're, it, a lot of it's going to go right over your head if you don't write it down, right? Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, but this passage specifically is talking about the fact that when the Lord comes back to establish his kingdom, he is going to purge the things. You have to understand, it's going to be hell on earth literally for three and a half years of the Antichrist reigning, the devil incarnate reigning and running the world. And so the Lord comes back, he's in a clean house, amen? And so he does that, and, and, and he says basically this, it'd be better for you to have a missing body part, uh, i.e., it'd be better for you to chop your hand off than to take the mark of the beast, are you with me? It'd be better for you to, now, now some of you go, well, there's no sin I could commit today that would, uh, on my flesh, that would uh, bring eternal damnation. You are 100% correct, but thank God you won't be here for the tribulation. It's not the same then as it is right now. All right, so he's saying all this stuff, and in the midst of all of that, look at verse uh, number uh, 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. They are little boogers, but they're little boogers for Jesus, amen? All right, uh, for I say unto you that in heaven... Their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, the way that that's been 
interpreted over uh, uh, many years in church history is like, well, maybe it's like a guardian angel, and the guardian angel is looking out for them, and the guardian angel is looking before the Lord. Uh, I, I can't prove that. What I, what I do believe is this. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 24. We're going to compare Scripture with Scripture and try to make sense of this, all right? Uh, Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. And uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 7. Genesis 24, verse number 7. Genesis 24, and uh, this is Abraham speaking to Eliezer. And Eliezer is a great picture of something in this passage. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. Eliezer is a great picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is sent out, right? And he's, uh, he, we know what he does. He doesn't talk about himself. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus Christ, amen? That's why the modern charismatic movement is not biblical, uh, because the Holy Spirit doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit talks about Jesus Christ. And the reason he does it is to point people to their need for a Savior. All right? Uh, that said, uh, Abraham sends out his servant. And when that servant goes out to look for a bride for Abraham's son, Abraham's son, Abraham is a picture of God the Father. Abraham's son, Isaac, uh, is a picture of Jesus Christ. And what is it that, that Eliezer sent out to do? Eliezer sent out to go and get that bride. Well, what is the work of the Holy Spirit today? To go and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And out of that, he gets the bride of Christ. That's you and me, guys. All right? And so in this passage, that's what's going on. And Abraham's kind of given uh, Eliezer the 411 on, on everything that God has said that the Lord is going to do for Abraham and his seed. Look at verse 7. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear to me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. All right, by the way, that's still in place. Uh, that, art, that little skirmish that's going on right now, I can tell you how it's going to end eventually. All right, Israel's going to end up on top. All right? uh, there's going to be some time where it's going to look like they're, uh, they're going to get uh, taken off the face of the earth, which is uh, part of the charter and constitution for most of those terrorist organizations, by the way. Um, and you've got high school students marching in, in, uh, all over our country with Palestinian flags saying, you know, stand for Palestine. Uh, we, 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 we are against the oppressors. I, you know, I, I, I would love to go to them and go, where is Palestine? Where is Israel? When did the word Palestine show up in history first? You know, they wouldn't have a clue. All they do is watch TikTok and watch some people get up there and talk about the, the oppressors. And, uh, and as a result, they end up just parroting everything that they hear online. Uh, let me just tell you that Israel will end up on top because God said so. Not because Israel deserves it, not because our politicians are just, not because we align with their, their, their culture or their, their human rights values. No, that stuff's what it is. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that God said this is their land. Okay? Now, in light of that, look at what happens here. Uh, verse number 7. Under that seed will I give this land, he, God, shall send his what? Hmm. God has an angel. Why would God? What is that angel exactly? All right, that, that angel is an appearance of the Lord. So when we talk about angels, all right, we, not only do we know angels are messengers, they come with a message. We understand in Daniel, it speaks about spiritual warfare they're involved in. We'll look at that in a moment. But also an angel is an appearance of someone or something. All right, look at Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Uh, this is where Abraham takes his son Isaac and puts him on the altar. Well, what a great message is in that. 
Uh, here's what I'd ask you to do this morning if you're a born-again child of God. Think about the thing you love the most, whatever it is, all right? Think of it, thought bubble. Let, let, it, let it just sit there for a moment. Think about what it is. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's what, fill in the blank, all right? For Joe, it's the piano. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, then in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, real quick question. Look at verse 15 again. Who's talking? Angel Lord, but look what it says in verse 16. Whoa, how about that? So that angel of the Lord is not just uh, like a random angel. Uh, it's an appearance of the Lord. That's how that word angel is used in your Bible. So if you were to ask me, what is that thing in Matthew 18? As best as I can figure it out, there's some kind of appearance of children in their innocence before the Lord. That's all I got for you on that. I don't know any other better answer except for some kind of appearance that's there before the throne of God. Now, I'll say this. The angel of the Lord is basically what you find uh, where God will show up to mankind in a form that man can relate to and speak with where God does not expose all of his glory. Uh, do you guys remember over there in Peter where it says the elements are going to melt with the fervent heat? Yeah. All right, talking about the end of the world, you know, it's the end of the world. That's going to be the end of the world for sure. All right, now when that happens, what that is basically is, um, and I want to present this the right way, it's almost like the way it's described in Psalms, it's almost like God takes all the covering off and just exposes his glory. And, and you've got to understand, the result of that is, is basically the wiping out of all that exists right now. So do you now understand why it is that God did not just show himself in all of his glory to all of mankind throughout all history, and why he limits himself, and why he, he shows up, and he shows up in history, but he shows up as the angel of the Lord. Now, uh, understand this, the, the, the term that's used for this, come down over here, is... Uh, pre-incarnate, all right, pre, before, all right, where are my Spanish speakers at? Amen, carne asada, right, right, in, <laughs> that's, that's, it just means flesh, all right, uh, the uh, Afrikaans word for meat, where's the on that, where you at, is fleiss, all right, you say, what is that, flesh, carne, right, so, so, not something like, ew, flies, no, no, it's not, <laughs> It's not how you say it, right? All right, so before Jesus Christ was in the flesh. That's what pre-incarnate means. Before he came as a baby and was born in a manger, all right? When, what you have to understand is that the Lord did not, it wasn't like God never showed up to mankind. He just never showed up in a human body and lived the human experience. It appeared to be someone that looked like a human. That's why over in Genesis, uh, when Abraham's talking with these angels, it says four men appeared unto him, all right? And so this, it, it's an appearance of the Lord. That's how that word uh, angel is used in your Bible. Uh, go to uh, Daniel. Go to Daniel. Daniel. Now, back, I remember, I don't know why this is, but for some reason in the 90s, that, the, the, I don't know, Miss Cindy, you might remember this. I remember your husband uh, teaching on angels because there was such an infatuation in the 90s 
uh, with the, re- I don't know if it was like the, maybe it was the, the blooming of New Age stuff again uh, from the hippie generation and, and all that. Touched by an Angel was a show, you know, all that stuff. And so it, people were real curious about it. Uh, you know what I'll tell you about all that stuff? Never be more curious about an angel than you are about knowing God. I feel that Christians get off on these weird tangents and they just like they want to they fixate on these things Um, like a conspiracy. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you. Yes, there are conspiracies. You know what the ultimate conspiracy is? The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine to them and they they should be saved. Right. So uh, look at Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. I think it's important that you learn about these things. You read your Bible. But don't get don't get stuck in a ditch somewhere. You know, uh, focus on this stuff because God doesn't tell you. There's a reason God uh, doesn't tell you everything about these things. Uh, you got limited knowledge. You say, why is that? It'd be better if you learn about him. Learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Daniel 10, look at verse number, uh, let's see here. Let's go back a little bit. Verse uh, uh, 10. And behold, a hand uh, touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak in thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now, I'm not going to go through all this right now. But when you go throughout the rest of the Gospel of John, you're going to find that John refers to himself in the third person, which normally is kind of cringy when people do that. If Joe walked up to me, said, uh, walked up to me this morning and said, Joe does not like Americanos, <laughs> I'd be like, Joe needs to quit talking in the third person. Yeah, right. right? Like, that's kind of weird normally like if people do that. Uh, but, but, but the Lord allows John to do that. There's a reason for it, because John will address himself as the beloved disciple. Who remembers that as you read the Gospel of John? All right, well, let me ask you this. Uh, who was it that the Lord revealed to which of the disciples had the revelation of who the son of perdition was? Which one was it? That'd be John. All right, well, uh, who gets the revelation about the Antichrist and things to come in the future? John. The old-timers call him John the Revelator. John the Revelator, right? Uh, and so you say, what, what does that matter? Well, Daniel is also called beloved. Uh, and there's some weird connections between Daniel, John, the book of Revelation, end time stuff. I'm going to all of that right now. But look at verse 12. Then said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. Now, let me just stop and say this. If you're ever wanting to know something from the Lord, you know, it'd be a good thing to do. Look at verse 12 as your outline. You know what he does? He set his heart to understand. You know what? I I, I get kind of frustrated with Christians sometimes because you guys will scroll for hours through stuff on your phones. You come across a verse you don't understand. You go, I don't get it. Well, maybe take the same amount of time that you spent scrolling and look that word up in your Bible and see where it shows up and compare Scripture with Scripture and go, Lord, I'm trying to understand this, but I don't get it. I'm not getting it. All right, when's the last time, don't raise your hand, that you said, God, I just don't get this thing in here, and Lord, I want to understand it. That's what Daniel was doing. See, we look at Daniel and go, oh, man, I could never be like Daniel. Why? Why not? Why not? You've already preconceived, you've already said it to yourself, I'm not Daniel. Well, why not learn more? Why not know more? I'll tell you why. Because we don't set our hearts to do it. (laughs) You set your heart to do it. God God pays attention to that. Uh, Look at verse number uh, uh, 12. He set thy heart to understand. Watch this. Chasing thyself before God. Lord, I want to talk about things that aren't, aren't right in my life because I know I'm not going to hear from you if I've got things that aren't right in my life. Do you see that there? He's chasing himself before God. And look at this. Thy words were heard. He's praying. He's talking to God about it. 
Uh, that's a great out. Now, in light of all that, look at verse 12. Uh, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. All right, this is an angel coming talking to Daniel, and he says this, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Without getting into all of uh, uh, a Bible study on Michael in the end times, Michael is connected with being the archangel uh, for the people of Israel. Uh, you can read about more about that in the book of Revelation, but the point is this. There's a spiritual battle going on in heaven for 21 days uh, about what Daniel is praying about. Now, let me just say this. If you get to a place where you're praying about stuff and for three weeks there's a spiritual battle going on you can't see up in the heavens and it gets the Prince of Persia's attention, you, you're, walking, you're, you're walking with God. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty important place to be. Uh, but the point is this, there was spiritual warfare going on. Remember, how, go to Ephesians 6. I know we're studying it right now in our Bibles uh, uh, on Wednesday nights, but go to Ephesians chapter 6 real quickly. Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> the way the world pre- pre- presents angels is like, you know, these soft-winged women. Uh, and in the Bible, they're always men, and they don't mention them having wings. Uh, cherubs and cherubims have wings, and seraphims have wings. But uh, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Now, don't, go, don't walk through Hobby Lobby and yell at the, at the top of your lungs, This ain't a real angel! All right, don't be that guy. Don't do that, all right? And then go to the restaurant and go, God bless you here. Read this gospel track. They're not going to want to listen to you. All right? Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 6. And look, if you would, at uh, uh, verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. This has to do with kingdoms and authority and government. But it's spiritual in nature. Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in what? So your prayers go up, and you know what's going on? Star Wars is going on without the spaceships, right? And there's battles going on up there. And so these angels are connected with that. Uh, at, least, uh, at least you see this in Daniel's situation. So in light of that, there could be a lot more we could study about angels, but let's go back to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, just to show you this angel. Again, to me, the idea of taking this out because it doesn't seem necessary, the passage makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, taking out the fact that there was an angel there that would go in and, and stir the water. Now, someone that goes, well, that just, that just seems kind of superstitious. Well, where does that end? Jonah swallowed by a whale. Noah builds an ark by special revelation. Uh, I mean, God parts the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea. God parts the Red Sea. God rains down fruit from heaven. This could go on and on and on. All right, the original Hebrew says Chick-fil-A, I'm pretty sure. But uh, uh, look at uh, John chapter 5, and look, if you would, at verse number, uh, 30, uh, verse number 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. So let me ask you a question. How long have you been praying about your situation? I've been praying about it for a whole week, preacher. Maybe give it some more time. You know, I think the problem with, with us is that we're in a rush and God isn't. Um, look at, keep your hand there. Go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Look at verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, one of my favorite, I love that. I love that. It, it's like the Lord had places to go and, and things to do as well. But you know what he's never too busy for? Someone that's in trouble. Yeah. 
someone that calls out. You ever notice that? Now, there's not one example in the Gospels, I'll challenge you to look, where someone calls out to the Lord for help and there's no response. Now, I get the Syrophoenician woman, the one that was a Greek by, na- by nation. I get all that. But even there, eventually he did talk to her. He left her hanging for a moment, but there was a purpose to that. All right. Uh, look at John 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from how long? Can you imagine the, the parents going, why did this happen? And, and that young man saying, why me? Now, I don't know about you guys, but there are things that you're going to find in the Christian life. There's some thorn in your flesh, something you go, why God, why us? Why me? And you'll wrestle with that. And, if, and there's me sometimes you're going to get bitter. You're going to be tempted to get bitter. And there'll be times where you go, how come they have and we don't? How, how, how come, how come I, I've been dealing with this, it seems like my whole life. How come I, I can't get, Lord, I, I, I have this disability. I've got this, this lack of ability to do this. And, and they, don't, they don't struggle with it at all. They got it perfectly. They got it down. They, they, look at them. They're, you know, l- let's just be honest. Uh, guys, uh, they're, you know, typically what men do is they look at stuff that other men have and go, I want that. And, uh, and oftentimes, and I'm not picking on you ladies, you'll look at another woman and go, how come she's got this feature of her face or whatever? I just wish I didn't have this nose or I wish I didn't have it. I'm at the, the place now where I just don't care anymore. I'm old. I'm getting fat. I'm dying. Amen. Okay. Amen. Hector, you're too young to amen me, bro. Uh, but but the, the, the point is, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll miss out. Because what happens is, if you're not there, look, I don't, I don't know everything that took place that led to this blind man being there at the time Jesus Christ walked by. But, but I can tell you this much. If that guy had taken his life, if that guy had been in the wrong place, if that guy hadn't been there, he never would have gotten the help he needed. And, you know, all I can tell you is this. If you're a born-again child of God and you look at this, this part of your life and you go, how come, why me? Um, we, we talked about this, I believe it was uh, last Sunday. I can't remember the silence of God and how sometimes God is silent. And there are times where we should do some introspection and go, Lord, is there something wrong with my life? Is there something I need to get cleared up with you? But do you realize not all sickness, not all sickness is sin. Not all disability is sin. Moses had a stammering tongue. I mean, can you imagine that? This guy, I love the story of Moses because like, Lord, I, I can't do this. I, 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 I can't, my, my, my tongue, you know, da, 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 da. And, and, and the Lord goes, and, and Moses just keeps at it and finally God's like, you know what? Fine, take your brother Aaron, all right? By the time they get to Pharaoh, Moses is 80 and Aaron is 83. And so fine, you know, Aaron can speak, so let him go with you. And Moses is like, whew, thank God. And the first time they go there, Aaron does the speaking. Second time they go, Aaron does the speaking. And then eventually Moses gets up and starts talking. He never shuts up the rest of the book. All right? And, and, and so I, I look at that and I go, there's a reason that God allowed Moses to have a stammering tongue. So that no one could look at the life of Moses and go, what an eloquent speaker. You know what they look at and go, that's God. You know why some of you are going through things? You go, I don't know. You know why? So somewhere, somehow, someone can look at your life and go, that's God in you. Look at John chapter 9. Look if you would. You know, you may go, well, that's a cruel God. Depends on how you look at it. You live in a sin-cursed world. You're not going to escape the results of sin in this world. We all have blemishes. We all have issues. So you know what the old saying is? Pick your poison. 
You know what you do? You go, well, I don't want my problem. I want, I'd rather have their problem. You're not in their shoes. Now, now watch what happens. Look at uh, verse number two. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This, these people must have been Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered what? Neither. Mm. You know, he says it wasn't about that. You know what it's about? Look at the latter part of verse number three. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, keep in mind, hold on. You, you forget this. The blind dude is literally sitting there listening to the conversation. So he's sitting there, and, and they're arguing. Who did sin? He's going, oh, man. Man, if, if, if this is really the Messiah, he knows enough. He has enough dirt on me. I mean, doesn't he walk up to the woman at the well and go, you don't have a husband because you got five. So here, imagine you're blind, and this is supposed to be the Savior, the Messiah. And he walks by, and, and all of a sudden, they're going, hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents? And he's probably going, oh, no. And all of a sudden, you hear neither. And that's probably the first time that guy ever heard that. Because everybody assumed it was sin. Everybody assumed that there must have been something wrong in his life, and that's why he was being punished by God. No, Listen, there are some things you go through, and I get it. We pay stupid tax. We do dumb things. We reap the consequences of them. I get that. But then there's some things that you go, what is this? You know what it is? It's your thorn in the flesh. And Paul goes to the Lord three times. Lord, would you take it? Lord, would you take it? Lord, would you take it? And finally on that third time, the Lord goes, my grace is sufficient. And look, I, I'll be careful. I'll be real careful. I, I know that there's all kinds of situations in this room I know nothing about. But I can tell you this much. God put you here just like that blind man for a purpose. And he has you here to hear this right now for a reason. And the Bible says that Jesus passes by and, he, and, and, and they ask him the question. And he goes, you know what? The real reason this is going on is so that my glory can be manifested. Now, can you imagine if you're the blind guy going, how? How can I manifest the glory of God? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is not in the notes. You know what you are, Christian, if you're a born-again child of God? You're, you're God's... Th this is God's letter to mankind. Y you know what you are? You're a miniature letter. All right? You are God's real. Can I, can I frame it that way? All right? You're God's real to mankind. All right? Uh, this is God's book. All right? You're the short version. You say, why? Because people are reading you. I don't like it. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's the way it is. If you weren't saved, they'd still be reading you. All right? And, and most of you that say, I wish people wouldn't read me, you have social media anyways. All right? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Now watch what Paul says. Ye are our epistle. That's a letter. Written in our hearts. Look at the latter part of that. Known and read of all men. So for years, there, the people know this guy. Matter of fact, I won't go through the whole story in John 9. Go back to John chapter 5. But as you, as you turn there, uh, people knew this guy in John 9 for years. And when he is healed... It's very evident there was a, 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 a miraculous transformation 
because people knew this guy was blind. This was not a, it wasn't like those healing shows you watch on TV where the guy gets up and, you know, and, and he's 10 feet away and someone goes, Psh, you know. I, I watched one, it was great, where I think the preacher, it was in Africa, and the preacher was annoyed because the drummer was drumming too loud, and he goes, bah, and the drummer goes, well, <laughs> you know. I, none of that stuff, man, none of the show, none of that, that nonsense. Uh, the Lord just healed that man legitimately and miraculously healed that man. And uh, you say, what, what did it do? It brought about the glory of God. Now look, if you would, at John 5, and notice this question in verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie, that means lying down, not that he was lying with his mouth, all right, but lying down. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Let me just say something about the Lord that you might find interesting. Um, if you've ever led someone to the Lord, do you know what I think is a good practice? As you're going along and you're showing them verses and you get to, to Romans chapter number uh, 6 and talking about, about eternal death and you go to Revelation 20, you ask them, so if you died right now, where would you go? If you're at this judgment right now, what would happen to you? Well, I don't think I'd go to the right place. Well, where would you go? Hell, that's a response oftentimes. You know what my next question is? And I ask him, this may sound like a dumb question. Do you want to go there? If there was a way out, would you take it? You go, well, why do you ask that? I want people to reason through in their minds and go, well, this, this, is, this is real, and this is what I want, <laughs> or this is not what I want. I had a guy one time go, I just I don't want to get saved. Hey, you know what? Free country. No one's going to twist your arm and tell you you have to get saved right now. That's between you and God. But, but I ask him, is there anything holding you back from getting saved right now? Romans 10, 9 through 13. And you know what someone will say? I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. And if they're not, listen, if they're not wanting to do it right then, they're, I'm not going to push for it. You say, why do you ask the question? So they reason through it. I think there's, some, there's something important about, con this is why for as a Christian, don't ever get caught up in that hyper uh, dispensationalist garbage that says you don't need to confess your sins. All right, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All right, yes, the moment you got saved, your soul was clean. But there is filthiness of the flesh and spirit, as it's talked about in Corinthians, that you need to deal with on a regular basis. I was going to say daily, maybe sometimes hourly, maybe sometimes minutely, right? Where you go, Lord, I need to bring this to you. Lord, this is wrong. Lord, I need to confess this to you. So the Lord wants a, a confession from that man. That's what it is. And he says, will you be made whole? Uh, look at verse number seven. The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. You know what he's trying to say in so many words? I want it, but I can't get to it. And I'm going to look at, we're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, but look at uh, Matthew chapter nine. Look at Matthew nine. You're going to see some examples where the Lord uh, asked this question. Matthew chapter number nine. L let me ask you this morning. Do you want to be made whole? Can I say that being made whole does come at a price tag? There's some people that aren't going to like you. When that blind guy gets healed, do you realize he's kicked out of the synagogue? And they want to kick his parents out as well? You know what that means? That means if you're going to follow the Lord and you're going to get whole. Now look, the, over in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, Paul says, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord. All right, that is the whole you. So you know what? When you got saved, God says, let me save your soul. But you've got this issue right here. You know what you ought to say on a daily basis? Lord, I want to be made whole. Lord, I want to be made whole. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I want to walk in the spirit. 
And that's what makes you whole as a believer. But can I say this? It comes at a price tag. Look at Matthew 9. I think that's partly why the Lord asked the question. Do you really want this? You know, people say, I want that. Are you willing to do what it takes to get there? No. Where's the easy button? It does not exist. Where's the, you know, was it Staples that has the button? Is that Staples? Whatever thing that is, you know. Uh, you know, there's the, the hit, hit the button and there it is. It's not Amazon with God. It's not I hit a button and stuff shows up. It's I'm going to have to pay it. Now look, salvation, price is already paid for you. Amen? Amen? But if you're going to be made whole in the Christian life and you're going to have your life together and complete and entire in the sight of God, that means you've got to say no to some stuff. That means you can't say yes to everything and everybody. There's some things you have to go, look, I, I can't be a part of it. I can't. It's not even always sin. It's just, a, this is the, God is my priority and what God wants in my life right now. Look, I think missions is a great thing. If God calls you, you better go. But if, I, if God calls me to Aurora, but I just want to go to Bolivia because I felt like I didn't get to finish what I started. Well, guess what? God didn't want me to finish that. He wanted me to finish this. So the, the, the idea is this, as a Christian, if you want what God wants, you have to let go of what you want, what people think and go, Lord, Lord I want to be made whole. That's why he asked the question. Look at Matthew 9 and look at verse number 20. Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, uh, go to Luke chapter 17, Luke 17, Luke 17. I think uh, there are some steps in the Christian life if you want to, to get the most out of the Christian life. Now look, here's what's amazing about the Lord. He, if you come to him and say, I want to be saved, you know what he'll save you. And then he'll say, well, how much of me do you want in your life? You know what some Christians go? They say, I want you to fill every corner of my life. And you know what some say? Uh, you know what? Why don't you just, just in this, let's just keep you in the living room right now. I don't want you going anywhere else in my house spiritually right now. Now, now you know what the Lord's not going to do? He's going to go, okay. No problem. He's not going to be banging doors down in your life. That's, that's why, I'm going to tell you right now, I kind of reject the idea of, as a pastor, having to dictate every aspect of church members' lives. Because if God's not going to do it, why in the world would I do it? <laughs> Look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 11. It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, ten's the number of Gentiles, so you can kind of throw yourself in this story if you'd like to, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Master, uh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. He didn't come to break the law, but to fulfill it. Amen. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Look at verse 15. How many of them came back? Now, now, let me just show you something about this. Look at verse uh, 16. This guy comes back. Uh, verse 15 says, with a loud voice, he glorifies God. Verse 17, uh, he, uh, 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 I'm sorry, verse 16, he falls down at the feet of Jesus Christ and gives him thanks. Uh, look at verse number 17. The Lord says, hey, didn't I cleanse 10? Where, where's the nine? Now watch, this is what I think is the, the, the greatest part. Look at verse 19. And he said to him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee what? Now, I've got a theory. I can't prove it. But when we get to heaven, we'll find out if I'm right. And if we're wrong, you won't tell me we're wrong because you'll be so nice when you get there, you won't be mean. Amen? 
So, so here's my theory. My theory is that, that uh, this man was the only one that ever woke up never worrying about having that leprosy come back. He's the only one that ever heard the Lord say, your faith made you whole. The rest of them just kind of went and did their thing. I bet you, I bet you, some of those guys woke up and said, maybe this is the day I get it again. I don't think they did. I don't think they ever had a relapse. But I think they struggled with it. You know what it's a great picture of? It's a great picture of a Christian that goes off and does their own thing and lives their own life unto themselves. And they're never quite who they were meant to be. You're not whole. You're not complete. All right? Because you are complete in Him. <laughs> All right? Uh, look at uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Stuff making sense? Just lie to me and tell me it is anyways. Well, Acts chapter 4. Look at uh, verse number 8. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Now, what Acts 4 is, is a, uh, this is the retelling of what happens in chapter 3 with a man that is healed. Remember, uh, how many of you guys grew up on the Wii Kids songs, the Wii songs, for, we sing songs for kids, right? Children, uh, silver and gold, have I none? Joe, you with me? But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, rise up and walk. And he was walking and leaping and pray. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. A Acts chapter 3, all right, is where that takes place. Now look at Acts 4 and look at verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, that's the, the man that was healed, by what means he is made what? Look at verse 10. Be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand. That's an interesting word right there. He couldn't stand on his own before. Did this man stand here before you what? So the Lord says, do you want to be whole? Now think about this. In this situation, that man that just got healed is kind of on trial after having never done anything wrong. You say, what is it? Not everyone's going to like you when you're made whole. You know what some people might say? I want the old you. Anybody ever experienced that before? You're just kind of different now, and I don't like who you've become. And I just, uh, we, we watched with the kids recently. Uh, it's a good family movie. I encourage you to watch it. The Case for Christ, uh, where Lee Strobel comes to the knowledge of, of uh, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Great, great movie based on a book, uh, but good movie, a uh, uh, clean movie. Uh, but but the, the idea was, I'm going to forget, after his wife got saved and she's following the Lord, they're sitting in the car, and he looked at her and he says, I don't like who you've become. And if i got to deal with this two years from now, if i got to deal with this a year from now, I don't know that I want to be around for it. That's tough. I sure am glad she didn't just give up and start going back to the world. That guy and the works that he's published have touched millions of Christians' lives and helped them to, 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 to be apologists for the truth of, of, of the Word of God. And it, when it comes to creation and salvation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all because a wife said, no, I'll just be whole. I'll just be whole. All right, look at, uh, let's see here. Go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, look if you would at verse number 47. You glad you came to church this morning? Yeah. Look at verse 47. The Bible says this is blind Bartimaeus uh, begging uh, by the highway. Uh, you read about that in verse 46. Verse 47, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out 
and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, I love this, stood still. You know, Lord, Lord, you can get God's attention when you cry out and need something. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, uh, get stuff out of the way that's standing between you and the Lord. It's going to trip you up, get out of the way. And he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now, why do you, why do you ask him that? Well, isn't it clear I'm blind? Yeah, but why do you ask him? The Lord already knows, number one. Everyone there already knows, number two, all right? So why does he ask him that? I think he wants a confession. If the Lord were to ask you, what do you, what do you need today? Well, Lord, you already know. Yeah, but let's talk about it. You say, why? Because when you speak it out of your mouth, it's more real to you. You know something you need to do before you come to church? Maybe even do it before Sunday morning service, all right? Just say, Lord, I've been in autopilot. And I threw Pop-Tarts in the kid's mouth. I got one shoe on and one sock off, you know, and I got this kid screaming at this kid. I slapped him on the way to church. We drove here. We got here. Jeep, you know, uh, by the grace of God, skid into the park or not. You know, got my Bible, walked into church like a zombie, and here I am. Maybe you need to stop and go, Lord, what do I need? What do I need? Oh, there's a lot I need. Let me talk to you about that. That'd be a good thing to do. Uh, I think the Lord does that for a reason. Go back to John chapter 5, John 5. I think he does that so that you can realize. Listen to me. God doesn't do it so that he can find out. He's God. He already knows. When God goes to Adam, 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 where, Adam, where you go, Adam, come here, boy. When the Lord does that, it's not because God doesn't know where Adam's at. God saw, you think God from heaven's like, oh, where'd he go? He's <laughs> stuck behind a tree somewhere. Lord knew exactly, you know. Wearing camo, you know, fig leaves. He's doing the best he can to fit in. And, and let me tell you something. Even when you're trying to fit in with this world, God still knows where you're at. And he calls him out. And when he calls him out, it's not for, for God's benefits, for Adam's. It's so Adam knows I'm not in the right place. Look at uh, John chapter 5 and look, if you would, at verse number 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. That is every Christian girls verse, her first year of Bible college, amen? <laughs> Sir, I have no man, all right? When the, wa- yeah, you, got, you got it now? Okay, all right. <laughs> Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another step it down before me. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, that, that's a reminder that God works through people. Now, no man ever, you know, uh, Paul, David says, no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. That's a, that's a sad commentary. Uh, and you know what I would say about a lot of people? Just look at people's eyes today. If you can get them to look up at you and they're not looking at a phone or a screen, you, know, you see a lot of emptiness, a, a lot of, of doubt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of fear, a lot of what am I here for? Like, what is the point, right? And uh, the Bible says that if you look at this, the New Testament, you know what you see over and over and over? Go to Acts 8. God works through people. Now, you know what you'll say to yourself sometimes? Man, people are the worst. Come on. Can I get a witness on that? People are the worst. All right? And, and yet, listen to me, there's nothing better than watching someone get saved and watch God change their life. And, and then they learn enough Bible to shoot you in the back. Amen? It's great. It's awesome. People, 
people are the best and they're the worst. Can I, can I say it like this? It's why you can't make church about people exclusively. It is a blessing to have brothers and sisters in Christ that have your back. It is a blessing. that we, I love my church Sunday. It's a blessing to consider all that God does. But just know this much. It has to be about God ultimately. But, but I will also temper that with this. God does not supernaturally write in the sky messages for us. He used men to put words in a book. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, look at Acts chapter 8. And uh, it's a story about Philip. I wanted to mention this on Wednesday night. Didn't get to. So God allowed me to throw it in here. Look at verse uh, 26. They're having a, a, a great revival, by the way, that Philip is a part of. And God calls him away from that. Look at verse 26. Uh, and uh, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and what? So, so the Lord tells Philip, Go. Now look at verse 29. Then the Spirit saith unto Philip, Go, what? You see how God works? It's progressive. I want you to go to this place. Well, who's going to be there? Don't ask that question. Just go. <laughs> All right? I'll, I'll bring the right people along. So God says, Go to this place, and he goes. Now, you know what's cool about this story? I'm, I'm going to just fast forward a little bit. You know, anybody know what fast forward? I don't think this generation even appreciates fast forward. We watched fast forward. Remember that? We watched it, man. It was different than it is now. Anyways, you know what else this generation doesn't appreciate? Saturday morning cartoons. I am forcing my kids to relive my childhood. You know what I'm doing? Kids, it's Saturday morning. He wants to watch cartoons. We can watch them any day. Shut up. We're going to watch them today, and you're going to eat fruity pebbles, even though mom doesn't want you to eat chemically induced garbage. We're going to eat fruity pebbles and watch 80s cartoons, and you're going to like it. <laughs> right? So that's how things work at my house anyways. <laughs> now, <laughs> let me get back to the story, what actually matters here. Um, he, he, notice it's, it's, the, the revelation is progressive, though. He doesn't just give everything at one time. Uh, he says, go. Then he says, go near. Now watch this. Look down at verse number uh, 31. Uh, uh, verse 30. And Philip ran thither at him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. That's Isaiah. That's just the Greek uh, transliteration of it. Uh, Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah's the prophet. Uh, look at verse uh, 30. And said, understandest thou what thou readest? It'd be like you walking up to someone and they got a gospel track and you say, do you get what you're reading there? Does that make sense? And if they're honest, you know what most people would say? Exactly what this guy says. Look at verse 31. How can I except some man should guide me? You know why? Because that guy that's reading that scripture doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. So he's relying on someone that does have the Holy Spirit inside of them to help him. You know who you're supposed to be? Philip. You know what Philip is called? Philip the Evangelist. It should be something that you are, not just something that you do. And, and so God, this man back in John says, I have no man. And so you know what it reminds us of is the fact that people need people. Look around this room. You know what you're going to find out? We are interdependent of each other. If someone says, I don't need anybody, good luck. I don't need a church. Okay, have fun. Knock yourself out. We'll see you at the gym seat of Christ. I raise you one. I raise you one and see you at the gym seat of Christ. I'm sure it will not go as well for you as, as it would if you'd recognize you do need people. And guess what? People are going to need you. Uh, go back to John chapter 5. We're going to call it a day. John 5. There's some other things in this verse I want to get to, but I want to get to it all right now. John chapter 5. I hope you've learned something this morning so far. John chapter 5. Uh, look at, uh, again, 
verse number seven. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. You say, what is that? Human nature at its best. <laughs> me first, you next. You ever get in a mob environment? People don't think the same individually as they do in a mob. You ever watch these videos of these young people beating the tar out of someone? You know what you'd find out? Take them one-on-one. -on -one. They, wouldn't, they wouldn't be energized to do it. Do you know what happens in a mob environment? Me first, you next. By the way, I'm a little nugget for you kids in school. America is not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Right. A democracy means that it's ruled by the people, by a mob, the majority. So if the majority of people want something really stupid, you just do it. Uh, the reason you have a constitutional republic is you have representation. Now, I know some of you are bored to death right now, but the, the whole idea is this. Uh, you don't want to think like a mob. You don't want to think like a mob. You know what you want to think of as a child of God, as an individual? And say, Lord, I am your son, I am your child. Help me to break away from the mob and think on my own. Because <laughs> the result isn't good. We'll look at it next week in Genesis 11. Let's stop there. Let's stand. Let's ask God to bless what we learned. And Brother Eric, uh, I believe that clock is still five minutes slow. Does anybody know about that? Anybody have rumor on the street? Rumor on the street is correct. It is. All right. So, well, Brother Eric, we'll start at five after, right? 11.05 on the dot. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And... Uh,